Hallelujah. You could just sense like a sense of relief of people's needs being met and people having the opportunity to, to declare what their needs are, people receiving healing. Oh, I like that graphic. That's pretty good. Now, I didn't choose this series just because of the name. I want you to know that. <laughs> Praise God. We're going to learn some things over the next four weeks. Now, tonight, we're starting this off. We're going to talk about some things because I want to set the stage so that those of us that have read this story about Joseph, and it's not a fairy tale, it's an actual account of something that took place in a person's life, a person who literally affected the balance of power in the world in the Middle East during that time. There's no way he could have possibly imagined that, but I want us to see the story of Joseph in a different light. I want us to see it in the light of that no matter how crazy our background is. How many of you have crazy backgrounds? How many of you would say that you definitely came from a dysfunctional family? The rest of you are liars. Okay? And, and we're going to see that, okay? And I, I think the reason I have such an affinity for this individual in the Bible is because for many, many, many years, I allowed the lies of the enemy to hold me back from even thinking about possibly ever being used by God because of things in my past, things in my childhood, things along those lines, you know, having just um, come from a very different cultural background. Uh, now, it doesn't mean too much today, but, but 40, 50 years ago, that meant a lot, okay? Um, so seeing Joseph and all that he went through can give hope to every single one of us that no matter what kind of craziness no matter what kind of dysfunction that we've been exposed to, no matter what kind of trauma we've been exposed to, God can still affect other people's lives through us when we'll stick close to him and hold on to that dream. Amen? Okay. So one of the most powerful motivators in the human experience is a personal dream, something that, that God instills in us, something that God plants in us. Now, now there's, there's dreams that we come up with on our own, but then there's dreams that God deposits in us, and then there's also seeds that come from the enemy to try to either thwart, to thwart either one of those. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. How many of you could just think back right now, and again, this is introduction tonight, think back right now of an individual that you probably should not have had in your life that steered you, in, come on that steered you in the wrong direction. They were definitely the wrong influence, uh, especially at a vulnerable time in your life. Can I, can I see everybody's hand at the same time? Yeah, thank you, thank you. And how many of you know, no matter what, you still gotta forgive them? Amen. Amen. We don't want to, but we have to. So this dream that, that rises up in us, that, that idea, a project, a goal, man, I just remembered something. When I was about 14 years old, now let me give you some context to this. Um, I grew up in more of a city atmosphere. I grew up in Elizabeth, New Jersey. How many people are familiar with Elizabeth, New Jersey? Okay, Linden, whatever, same thing. Okay, so when I was 12, my parents took us out of that city atmosphere and took us to a place called Colonia, New Jersey, which was farmlands back then. And I would say to my, I didn't go out of the house for a year. I'm not kidding you. 
I, I met my wife there, thank God, because she only lives four houses away. But it took me about a year to work up any type of enough courage to go out of the house other than to go to school, come home. And I would say to my parents, where the heck did you bring us? Where did you bring us? Yeah, it's not far today. I'm talking quite a number of years ago. Okay? Different atmosphere, different, different things. So now watch this now. I remember being about 14 years old and recognizing that I completely blocked, it, blocked this out until the, I just remembered this. I realize now that God was putting a dream in my heart back then for something that I would affect and I would bring to pass decades later. At 14 years old, I organized a, um, what do you call it, a petition and went around to the businesses in the town. And uh, I totally forgot about this and asked for support to build a teen center. I went to St. John Biani's church because they had like a community center. They didn't want to be bothered. Uh, went to different places. And then finally, after a few months, kind of like, well, this ain't going to happen. So I, years later, decades later, what do we end up opening here in Bricktown? The Teen Center. Okay? All right? But the dream was put in my heart, in my, in my soul, decades before. And God will do that sometimes. There's some of you that have been carrying dreams. You don't even realize that God was the one who instigated that and put them in there. Like, um, we pray. We pray sometimes. That, and we might bless somebody by saying, you know, God's going to give you the desires of your heart. Well, there's two ways to look at that. Is it the desire that you have that he's going to give you? Or is he going to instill in you, implant in you, the desire of your heart? You see what I'm saying? I would rather have him implant in me his desire in my heart so that it would seem natural to me because when God puts something in you and it's not natural to you and we're like, I don't know if I could do this, I don't know if I want to do this, there's a battle that's going to happen, okay? So, so we want to line ourselves up with God's dream. That's, that's what the point I'm trying to make. We want to line ourselves up with God's dream because I've seen too many Christians in 37 years, I've seen too many Christians spinning their wheels, spinning their wheels, spinning their wheels, trying to accomplish something that it was not God that inspired it, it was something that they wanted to do. And it was like, come on, God, come along with me. Oh, God doesn't come along with us. We go along with him. And, and we want it that way because his plan is way better than our. Would you agree? Yes. Would you agree? Okay, good. So <clears throat> just, even just this past weekend, the weekend, our guest speaker, Kyle Winkler, he said, God makes the man for the plan. He shapes us, he molds us, he, we have specific personalities, and then he takes that person and puts them into his plan. God knows what he wants us to accomplish, and he creates a person who can do it. However, the outcome is definitely dependent on the cooperation of that person, okay? I remember uh, quite a few years ago, there was a, a minister who was quite popular, and now I can't remember his name, that's how popular he was. <laughs> Eagles, Eagles Wings Ministry. Who? No. No. Forget it. Okay. 
Just take my word for it. He was very popular at that time. <laughs> and he said, he told a story one time. This is after he's now at that point in time. I'm talking in the, the, the 90s. He's pretty much internationally known by that time. He's traveling all over the place, very much wanted for people's conferences. And just, He said he went to the grave of his first wife. Who? No, no, let, let's, not, let's forget about it. Rick Godwin, Rick Godwin. Rick, does anybody remember Rick Godwin? No. Yeah, unfortunately. Okay, I don't even know if he's still here, if he went to heaven already. So he said he went to the grave of his first wife, who had died tragically after they had divorced. And he said to her at the grave, obviously, he said, you could have had all this, but you just couldn't get with God's plan. Now, I'm not saying that God struck her dead. Please don't say that. Don't, don't go away saying that. He didn't strike her dead. But she removed herself out of God's will and had a very tough life, a hard life, and obviously ended up dying prematurely. We have to get with God's plan. Are you listening? I could sense the resistance because we don't like this. Because we've been living in a society for a couple of decades that's made everything about us. And unfortunately, that is totally unscriptural. Life as a Christian is not about us. In fact, you died the day that you said, Jesus be my Lord, be my Savior. Just nobody told you you died yet. Because the world is trying to keep you resurrected so that you don't die to self and fulfill the plan of God. Does that make sense? Yes. So, so all of our, our, our secular society, plus, unfortunately, a real good portion of the church world wants to keep you alive because then you'll buy books. You'll go to conferences. You'll listen to the person on TV because they're making it all about you. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. You and I are supposed to die to ourself and we are supposed to pursue God. It is not God that's supposed to pursue us. We are supposed, is anybody getting this? We're supposed to pursue him. Amen? And we're supposed to get rid of everything that's going to hinder us, and we're told that over and over again throughout the scriptures. Amen? Go, go after the Apostle Paul's life. Study the Apostle Paul's life. Here's a guy who abandoned everything that his world had going for him to promote him. He walked away from it all to pursue Christ. That I may know him, he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. There's only one way to get to know him. If you're going to be so about yourself, how are you going to get to know him when you're so busy looking in the mirror at yourself all the time? Oh, you'll know about you, but you won't have that resurrection power that we have, that we take hold of when we abandon our dreams and we take hold of his. Amen? Amen? So... Over these next few weeks, we're going to study the life of a young man named Joseph, who by the grace of God and against all odds, finally saw the dream that God had placed in him come to pass. Now, the name Joseph translates productive, fruitful. It literally in Hebrew means he shall add. In other words, it's a person that's destined by God to, to be productive, to be fruitful, to bring increase. And, you know, those of you that know Joseph's story, you know that's exactly what he did uh, throughout his life. Amen? Amen? So, 
Joseph's story, life story, starts in Genesis chapter 37. Okay, and I'm going to read a bunch of scriptures. All right? Um, verse 2 starts, this is the account of Jacob's family line. We're like, wait a minute. This story is about Joseph's life. But you can't, you won't be able to understand Joseph's life. You won't be able to understand why his brothers did to him what they did to him. In other words, you're not going to understand the craziness of Joseph's life if you don't look back to Jacob, to Isaac, to Abraham. Every one of us that's in this room right now are a byproduct and a result of everything that you and I have been exposed to. Now, some of it's been good, but probably for the most part, it hasn't been good. Okay, now I'm talking about before we got born again, and even some of us after we get born again, because it's your spirit that got born again. Your soul needs to be transformed. Your soul needs to be exposed to truth now. Your soul needs to be exposed to the word of God so that you then can recognize, okay, that thing that I've been bringing in my life for decades now, that's got to go because it's not lining up with what the word of God says. Yes or no? Okay, Kyle even said it this weekend. uh, Not everything that we have in us is from God. Some of the stuff we're still carrying is the residue, the remnant of our life before we came to Christ or our life when we first got born again and did not yet understand the word of God, study the word of God, because that's where life comes from. Okay, you listening? All right, now, we're in a unique position right now in the history of the world. I'm going to get into Genesis 37, okay, but I need to say this. I'm going to start a series in a couple of weeks, not this weekend coming up, the following again, living in the last days. Because you live in the last days very different than you live 50 years ago, 100 years ago. I would venture to say if anybody was to come back out of the grave from 100 years ago, they'd go, "Um, I'm going back. Because you all are crazy. You listening to me? So now now we study the word and and we look and we're studying people's lives, but... Living in the last days is a completely different thing. So we need to learn about principles of life. We're going to learn some things. And I want us to take what we're learning on Wednesday nights and to start applying it, okay? Because some of us, and if it's not you here, you know somebody, some of us have lost our minds over the past couple of years. I keep saying this. How many of you know people that were just stable, solid individuals, and now you're like, who are you? Why? Because we're living in the last days. And we'll talk about that, uh, especially that first, that first weekend. We'll, f- number one, talk about, because some of you are not convinced that we're living in the last days. We'll go through some evidences. We'll go through some scripture. We'll go through some historical events to show you that we are, in fact, probably at four minutes to midnight on the last day. Okay, that's how close we are. All right? Let me get that aside now. I don't want to go into that anymore because that's very alive in me right now because I'm studying for that, okay? So I'm not apologizing. I'm just like, don't make me go back in there again. Don't want to leave that for a couple weeks from now. So Genesis chapter 37. Now, what I'm saying, that, let me back up. Can, can I just get permission to go back into that for one second? 
Listen. Our craziness gets accelerated in crisis. Would you agree? And that's why we're seeing a lot of the effects. People who have not gotten... Is that air conditioning on? It's hot in here. You're not up here. Listen, you're going to see an increase of people's craziness because... Issues that have not yet been dealt with that came out of the fact of living in a dysfunctional home, being traumatized when we're younger, exposed to just stuff that we should have been exposed to. Now, under the pressures of living in the last days, a lot of that's going to come forward a lot quicker and a lot more obvious, okay? So, Joseph went through what he went through because he came from a line of individuals that had baggage after baggage after baggage after baggage. Let's read it. All right. Genesis 37. Uh, where am I? Verse 2, I guess. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers. So we've seen he's, he's a shepherd, okay, just like his brothers. Now, watch this now. Joseph, a young man of 17. Is it up there? You guys following me? Yes. You following me? Because I want you to see, the Holy Spirit doesn't put words in there for no reason at all. Joseph, a young man of 17, was sending the flocks with his brothers, comma, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. How would you like to have those names? His father's wives. So we've got a blended family here. Joseph is from, Joseph and then later on his brother Benjamin are from the mother that Jacob really loved. But we're going to find out later on, she was barren for many, many years until Joseph was born. So now Joseph now, because you see, the craziness in Jacob's family was everybody knew he's putting up with Bilhah, or whatever her name is, and he's putting up with Zilpah, and they're having a good time together. They produced a whole bunch of children, but his heart is really for Rachel. Everybody knows it. How would, you like to, how would you like to be Zilpah? And how would you like to be Bilhah? And how would you like to be Bilhah's kids knowing your father has put up with your mother all these years, but his heart really is for Rachel? You see where I'm going with this? We've already got a volatile situation on our hands. Okay? You getting this? Now, Israel, that's Jacob, his, his other name. Uh, Jacob means trickster, con artist. Okay, so we get a little bit about his personality. But when he had an encounter with God, his name was changed to Israel, which means prince of God, okay? And just a hint, a little Hebrew hint. Whenever you see E-L on the name of, uh, at the end of a person's name, it refers to God, L, okay? Danny L is... Uh, God is my judge. Okay, you, you getting this? All right, good. Uh, now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of the other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. This is a rough household. First of all, Jacob obviously has never taken a parenting class. 
because he, in effect, has set his son Joseph up to be the target of the other brothers. What are you doing? Even if, you're, even if in your heart. I mean, <laughs> even if you have a special one, either a son or a grandchild, you don't go telling the rest of the family, this is my special one, okay? I know this because I went through this because my grandparents, coming from the Italian background, that really nobody should have been allowed to have children, okay? <laughs> what they used to do on the holidays, okay, and my wife knows the story where I'm going with this, all the grandchildren would line up on Christmas Eve and come to grandma and grandpa, and they would give out the, the, the envelope, or the, go ahead, go ahead, say it, the boost, okay? And they would say to me, go stand in the back of the line. No, because my envelope was better than the other ones. And they would tell me, do not open it in front of your cousins. Why? Because I was named Joseph after my grandfather. And trust me, the rest of the cousins caught on eventually, and there was always animosity because I was looked on as the special one, even though I wasn't the first of the grandchildren, but because I was named after my grandfather, it was always a little extra on the side, okay? <laughs> Don't do that to your kids, please. At least if you're going to do it in a way where they can't find out, because you're setting your kids up to have sibling rivalry, animosity, jealousy, hatred, okay? It's not a good thing. And you would think these people who are supposed to be godly people that they would know this, Okay? Because nobody in here would ever make that mistake. <laughs> Especially the grandparents. There's always that one. And my wife knows who it is. That one. So we see here the setup. Not only is he treating him different, but he's rubbing it in the face of his brothers because Joseph shows he likes the idea that he's got an ornate coat. He likes the idea. So even if he's out taking care of the sheep, he's wearing his tuxedo. <laughs> and every time he showed up with that coat on, what do you think his brothers thought? You see what I'm going with this? Okay. Verse 5. Joseph had a dream. Stop right there. Joseph had a dream. Joseph had a dream. Stop right there. And when he told his brothers, Joseph, what are you doing? What are you telling them for? You know they hate you. You know they're jealous. No, no place in scripture does it ever say that God told Joseph to go tell his brothers. Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. It's like, Good job, Joseph. Bring some more gasoline and throw it on the fire. See what I'm talking about? Okay. Verse six, and he said to them, not only did he have, now he's got to go into the description and the details of this dream because he's like, he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain, Okay. Like, you know how you see the corn stalks now? He's talking about grain for wheat. 
We were binding sheaves of, of grain and out in the field, and when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Oh, this is getting real good points with the brothers. Way to go, Joseph. You want to say to him, what are you doing? What are you doing? His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more. And this is the second or third time we're hearing this. He hated him. They hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. <laughs> if that wasn't bad enough, he has another dream. Verse 9, and he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun, moon, and 11 stars were bearing down to me. Now, this time he tells his father as well as the brothers. Verse 10, and when he told his father, well, the brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him. But watch this now. Look at, but his father did what? Next verse. But it says, verse 11 says, his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept a matter in mind. His father's starting to realize, wait a second, there could be something to what this kid is saying. Now, can I just throw something out at you? I don't think this was the first time Joseph had dreams. I think it's possible that Joseph might have had other dreams before this that came to pass, and that's why his brothers, who hated him already, actually listened to the dream when he told them. If he was somebody who didn't have a track record, they would have blew him off. They would have said, forget this guy. What are you talking about dreams? Who do you think you are? You see what I'm saying? He must have. Now, we know later on, if you know the story, Joseph is an interpreter of dreams. It's a gift that God gave him, which we see manifesting later on in the story. So his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now, listen to me. Let's talk practically now. Can we talk practically? Yeah. Okay. People will either help you fulfill your dream or they will be the first level of obstacle that you're going to encounter. You listening to me? This is the main reason why your dream must be connected to God, not to man. Your dream, let's say it again. Your dream has got to be connected to God, not to man. Okay? Because when a dream is connected to men, to people, then people can stop it. But when your dream has come directly from God and it's been placed in your heart and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's the dream that God showed you, nobody can stand in front of it. Nobody can stop it. Nobody can slow it down. Amen? Now, I feel like I'm talking to a bunch of people who don't connect with this whole concept of dreams. Maybe you had dreams and they didn't come to pass. And especially when you start getting like 50s, 60s, and you're thinking, 
I had this dream. It's too late now. It's not going to come to pass. Obviously, I, I must have shipwrecked it or did something to it. Don't do that. Do not do that. Okay? I turned 40 years old when I was in Bible school. I said to the Lord, why did, why did you wait till now? And he reminded me that Moses was just getting started at 80. You, are you listening to me? Are you, anybody in here that's got a Medicare card in your pocket? Don't you dare. Don't you dare back off just because you haven't seen it yet. Okay? Smith Wigglesworth, if you don't know who that is, Google him. Started his ministry when he was 40 years old. And he rocked England. Okay? Don't you dare give up. Stir yourself up. And listen to me. Maybe the dream was given to you to get it started, but the next generation is going to run with it. David accumulated, Pastor Matt read the scriptures tonight. David accumulated everything for the, to build a temple, but David never built a temple. Solomon, his son, built a temple. But David had to have enough of a dream, enough vision inside him, enough trust in God that he could at least get the thing kick-started so that when Solomon came in, he already had all the supplies he needed and could build a temple. You listening to me? Stir yourself up. Stir your, turn to somebody and say, stir yourself up. I'll say it again. Stir yourself up. It's not over yet. So the people around you, and especially the people that you're going to open your mouth to and share things, they're either going to be the ones that are going to help you fulfill that dream or they're going to be the ones that are going to place an obstacle on your path. Okay? My advice, going from personal experience, do not open your mouth and tell anybody anything unless God tells you to do it. When the Lord spoke to me in 1994 about this church, actually it was 95, he put the seed in my heart in 94 to spend time every day praying for hours. Thank God at that time we had hired a manager for our business and he could go there in the morning and open the place and I would, my wife would go at lunchtime, I would go later on, but I would take the mornings after the kids went to school and I would just pray for hours and pray for hours and walk around the house and pray in the spirit. But you know what I mean by praying in the spirit? Praying in tongues, praying, why? Because I, I, I don't know what the future is going to bring. And the Bible tells us in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he who prays in an unknown tongue prays to God, not to man, and he prays out divine mysteries. So I'm spending hours and hours and hours. Spring of 1995, I have a dream. And I woke up in the morning and I said to my wife, I nudged her, I said, Sat up straight and said, oh, my God, we're going to start a church. I said, uh, we're going to go to Bible school. And we're going to come back. And in 97, we're going to start a church. I said, and I just saw the name of the church in the dream. It was New Beginnings. At that time, it was New Beginnings Christian Fellowship. Okay? We changed it because nobody knows what fellowship means anymore. But that was the dream. And I said to her, and this person will be involved, and that couple will be involved, and that couple will be involved. It was, you couldn't, you could have shotgun to my head. I would have told you, no, it's going to happen. But the only people who knew about it was me and my wife at that time, 
and maybe one other person. Even the caps did not know about it yet. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, Pastor Pan's my first cousin, okay? We were instrumental in bringing her to the Lord. Pastor Cap used to work for me as a 19-year-old. We were very instrumental in bringing her to the Lord. We didn't even share with them until months and months later what God had put on our heart. Why? What do I need aggravation from the devil for? Some of us open our mouth too soon. Too soon. I was just talking about this recently. And look, if this is what we accomplished tonight is getting this foundation and learning, don't open your mouth. Some people live like this. Everything's open. You can't live that way. Don't you know that everybody's your friend? Oh, well, they're Christian. Give me a break. Christian or not. How many of you know, Christian or not, not everybody's your friend? Because they know they could repent later, you know. You don't tell everybody everything. Okay, you keep your mouth shut. When you're supposed to, then you don't. I've seen this happen. I, I was talking about this recently. I don't remember if it was in a personal conversation or one of the services. I noticed something in the youth ministry many years ago. A young man would come to the youth service. So back when we had the youth center over here and it was open to the public and we'd see 100 kids on a Tuesday night, 125 kids on a Friday night on a regular basis. You saw a lot of kids. Kids would come in, young ladies, young men, but specifically with young men. They would come, they would receive Christ, they would be overwhelmed, tears, the whole bit. They really, oh, we love Jesus. I, want, I just want to serve God, all this other stuff. And, and, and then we would say, man, so-and-so, that kid's got a call of God in his life. And two weeks later, what would happen? They would show up here with a girlfriend. She would hang around for a couple of weeks, and next thing you know, he disappeared. And so I've learned since then. There are, there are some of you in this room that I know the Lord's got a call. I'm not going to even, I'm going to turn around because everybody's going, I know you were looking at me. <laughs> there are some of you in this room that I know the Spirit of God has his hand on you and there's a specific call, especially to ministry. But I'm keeping my mouth shut so that you don't get attacked and dragged away. Because you see, the enemy comes for the word to steal that word out of your heart, to steal that dream out of your heart, to make things difficult. So, so when you, yeah, and just because you know something, oh, the Lord showed me, well, doesn't, doesn't mean you have to tell everybody. Come on, where's our discernment? Where's our wisdom? We're, we need to be like Mary. When the angel came and told Mary, hey, you're gonna bear this savior and his name's gonna be Jesus. What did she do? She hid all these things in her heart. When Simeon at the temple, when they brought Jesus to be dedicated, eight days old, they brought him to the temple to be dedicated. Two people showed up. One was Simeon, one was Anna. They both had things to say about Jesus. Mary didn't get those things and go around to everybody in the temple and go, hey, hey, guess what? My son, the Messiah. <laughs> it says she hid these things in her heart. You listening to me? The Apostle Paul. You know the story. He meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. He's suddenly stricken blind for three days. Jesus speaks to a guy named Ananias in Damascus and says, go to a certain place on Straight Street. There's a guy there named Saul. 
Watch this now. This is Jesus speaking. He said, I have already shown him what he must suffer from me. And he says to Ananias, I'm gonna bring him before kings and before great men. He's gonna be a spokesman for me to the Gentiles. You don't see Ananias running all over Damascus going, hey, 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 look at look what God showed me. What God showed me. You don't see Paul talking about it. He doesn't get it. In fact, it's three years after that that he finally meets the apostles in Jerusalem. He didn't run to Jerusalem and say to Peter, hey, hey, guess what? I'm the next one that's gonna join you guys. I'm gonna write two-thirds of the New Testament. They didn't even know what was going on at the time. What is it about us that we open our mouth too quickly? We want to share it because we think it's a reward. Do we not understand that when the Lord puts something on us, it's almost like a burden sometimes? Because it's a responsibility now to carry that thing out. And it's going to cost you. Do you think if Joseph knew what it was going to cost him in his life, I guarantee you he would have kept his mouth shut. Well, God had a plan for him. God had a plan for Joseph to become the second in command in Egypt. It doesn't mean that God's plan meant for his brothers to throw him into, sell him into slavery, treat him like garbage, go back and tell his father that we think your son is dead. We'll talk about that next week, how diplomatic they were. Okay, they take his coat after they dipped it in blood. They killed an animal, dipped it in blood, take the coat that his father had made for him, get back to camp, throw the, throw the garment in front of him and go, hey, uh, check this out, see if it's your son's. Oh, what compassion for their father. It's an amazing miracle that Jacob didn't have a heart attack and dropped dead right on the spot. Dysfunction, craziness. See, it was God's plan to get him from the shepherd fold, from being a shepherd out in the field, to get him to become the second in command. It didn't mean he had to go through all that junk to get there. We go through things sometimes because we invite them. We go through things sometimes because we're like, is this too real for everybody? Is this too real? Because we open our mouth or we step out into things that we're not supposed to yet. And then when the enemy comes at us like a storm, then we go crying to God, oh, <laughs> oh the devil's there. Shut up. <laughs> Keep your mouth shut. Don't go telling everybody on Facebook what God's doing you. God showed me this. Who cares? If it's not time yet to show it and to, to, to declare it, keep your mouth shut. Why? You have an enemy who hates you. You have an enemy, especially now in these days. The enemy does not want Jesus to come back. The enemy, why do you think the nation of Israel is under attack constantly? Because if he can destroy them and wipe them out, there will be no one for the Messiah to come back for He's got to come to Jerusalem. He has got to go right back to the same spot that he ascended from. He told the, the angels, told the disciples, what are you standing here with your mouth open? As he has gone, so shall he come. And then Zechariah the prophet says, he's going to put his feet on the Mount of Olives. That has to happen. But the devil is crazy. And he thinks if I can wipe them out, there'll be no place for him to come back to. You listening to me? I pray for wisdom for all of us, that we would have discernment. And we're going to get into the rest of this, but I needed you to get this context tonight, okay? I pray that God gives us all wisdom and discernment and understanding. 
Yes, the Lord's got an amazing plan for your life. But he doesn't, first of all, he doesn't show you everything in one shot. If he did, none of it. If, if God ever showed me what this ministry was going to turn out like, I'd still be in the deli business slicing salami. <laughs> it would have scared the life out of me. Because he prepares us in increments. You listening? You listening? So he doesn't show us everything, thank God. But when he shows us something, don't go around and like, don't spill your guts. There's a time to talk and there's a time to hold on to it. There's a time to share things and there's a time to hold on to it. Have the wisdom and the discernment to understand which is which. Amen? Amen. You'll deal with a whole lot less warfare. I'm talking about spiritual warfare. You'll deal with a whole lot less than that because the devil can't read your mind. All he can do is read you from the outside. So many Christians have this idea that the devil can read your mind. No, 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 he can't read your mind. But he, he's been studying mankind for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So he knows our body language. He knows how we react to things. He knows, he, he can kind of read in between the lines when we speak, when we shouldn't. Okay? Be wise. Be wise. Innocent as a dove, wise as a serpent. Okay? God wants us to be very strategic with our lives. Not paranoid. Not afraid, not intimidated, but just wise, okay? The more you get to know God, the more you study the word, the more practical you'll see that he is. Very practical. Most of us want to make him super spiritual, super spiritual, so that when God uses us, it's like we're somebody special because God used us. God will use anybody. God will use anybody. That's why most of the commands that are given to reach people are not given to the ministry, it's given to the church at large. He told the church, go lay hands on the sick and they will recover. He told the church, cast out devils and they'll go. He told the church to go preach the gospel. He told the church to go baptize people. He didn't say, well, only the apostle, only the prophet, only the pastor, only the teacher, only the evangelist. No, because every one of us can function in those areas. Amen? Amen. Are you getting this? Yes. Did you learn anything tonight? Yes. So, so you're going to come back next week? And we're going to dive into the rest of Joseph's crazy family, okay? You're going to be surprised when you say it because, you see, when you read them over a space of time, you're like, oh, wow, that's crazy. And then you have some, some sanity, and then you have another crazy. But when you, when you study them all together, going way back to Abraham, you go, oh, my God, it's a miracle this guy made it to where he did. Amen? Amen. And it's a miracle that you are going to make it to where God wants you to be in spite of all the craziness that you've lived through and that you've endured. Amen? Why don't you stand up? We'll be dismissed. I need to put a mark here where I stopped. Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord God. We're all here tonight, Father. We want to know how to navigate through crazy so that your dream, your desire, your plan, Father, your goal can be reached in every one of our individual lives. Father, you are the one who has recreated us in Christ Jesus to do the good works that you've ordained even before we were born and even before time 
existed, Father. We don't want any obstacles in the way. We want to be able to navigate through them, Father God. We want to be able to hold on to the dream, hold on to you, keeping our eyes on you, the author and the finisher of our faith. So, Father, over these next few weeks, teach us, inspire us, equip us, empower us to put away all the nuttiness and all the craziness so that we can fulfill the dream that you have for us. We trust you to do this in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. Listen, listen before we go. If there's anybody in this room that you have not yet had the opportunity to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and let me put it to you this way. If you are not sure that if you were to take your last breath this night, if you are not sure where you will spend your eternity, please do not leave this place without settling that issue. The Bible tells us whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 10 that if we will declare with our mouth what we believe in our heart about the Lord Jesus, that we receive salvation, we shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from an eternity being separated from God. Every one of us has been born in sin. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. Okay, nothing you can do and nothing I can do can ever earn that position. It's Jesus that earned that position for us. And when we place our faith and our trust in him and we declare who he is from a heart of faith, we receive salvation. Amen? Amen. It's very simple, a very simple declaration of faith. If you've never had the opportunity to do that, please, please, please. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. The decision has to be made while you're in this body. If that's you, please come up when everyone else is leaving. There are people up here that will be gladly and honored to pray with you and bring you into that place of salvation. Amen? Amen. 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 God bless you. I hope you were blessed tonight by this message.